0: And New Year is great. But isn't it a great time to, um, just as Troy said, to think about uh, what the year might look like? Some of us uh, do make some resolutions. I don't know about you, but um, I find resolutions quite difficult. I'm not great at, uh, at keeping them. So in Miranda's case, she tries to do everything so fast. She tries to make all those changes happen. Uh, and I reckon she's perhaps bit off a bit more than she can chew. So I, I came up with a list of 10 attainable New Year's resolutions. So I just want you to have a look at these because I think most of us could be on board with these. Let's see how these go this year. I resolved to read less, read less, because you know reading's hard work, it makes you think. Read less, watch more TV. I think I can do it. Procrastinate more, starting tomorrow. Yeah, create loose ends. Okay, next one. Get more toys. Get further in debt. Can you do these things? Is it possible? Maybe. Stay off the International Space Station. Well, that's how I think I can do that. <laughs> Spread out priorities beyond my ability to keep track of them. Yes. And wait around for opportunity. And finally, focus on the faults of others. So if you're struggling <laughs> to find some new, res- new resolutions that you can keep, can I commend this list to you? No, not really. But all jacks aside, the new year does lend itself to reviewing uh, the past and thinking about the, the future. We talk about turning over a new leaf or or turning a new page or as one writer in the Bible said, forgetting what is behind and looking forward to what's ahead. Um, We talk about drawing lines on a new page and you might want to draw lines that say, hey, I'm not going to do this and I am going to do this. I'm going to say yes to this and no to this. And so as we look at the new year, I think uh, it's a a really appropriate time to think about what's important to us. I've been uh, doing a, a little job at home over the holidays on my kitchen and uh, it took, you know, started off as a little job, but it's become massive and it's not finished yet. But the very first day, Heather says to me, Steve, have you got a schedule? Oh, I hate it when she says that. Her dad used to say that to, to her brother as a builder, have you got a schedule? And he never usually had one and I didn't have one. But I think what she was really trying to say to me was, have you sorted out some priorities? Do you know what you're going to do and in what order? Because I had no idea how long each segment of the thing was going to take. But up here, I knew sort of what order I had to, have to do the things in. But it's really important, isn't it, to set some priorities for what, uh, what we do and what's uh, the most important thing. If you were to fault yourself on uh, one of these things just on the screen which one do you think you'd fault yourself? I'm going to give you a little chance to speak to the person next to you for about 30 seconds. If you were to fault yourself in one of the following areas, which would be the inability to prioritise, the inability or unwillingness to organise your priorities, or the lack of self-discipline to tackle your priorities. Okay, three options. Talk talk to the person next to you. Get on task, please. And uh, talk about that, not something else. (laughs) Okay, time's up. Face the front, back on task. (laughs) Okay, who put number one? See, hardly anybody put, oh, a couple put number one. Who put number two? Oh, a couple, who who said number three? That's interesting, isn't it? That's interesting. People who know about these things uh, actually say that probably most of us are really in the number one, even though we don't like to admit it. But uh, I'm okay with you having whichever one of those you like. But priorities are really important and we need to be able to settle down and actually work on them and it's fantastic to hear Renee talk about the way she and her family have actually tackled this. What does it mean to be on task? I think uh, somebody's got a little sheet of paper and that might help you with, if you want to follow through this morning, if you, there's one on every second seat or something, but um, to be on task is to really concentrate or focus your attention on what needs to be done. Now in a school setting we're very familiar, and teachers talk about being on task all the time, we're very familiar with what it looks like to be off task, aren't we? Um, to be off task is uh, in a learning environment is where a student completely disengages from uh, the learning environment, what's going on, and uh, engages in a totally unrelated behaviour. And uh, I went to Melbourne Uni and studied engineering and first year engineering was like that. We totally engaged in unrelated behaviours. We didn't listen to lectures. There were more paper darts thrown in lectures than notes written. And uh, I remember lectures where there were so many darts hailing down on the lecturer that he had to had to walk out because he was fearing for his life. Some of them were really big ones that had been prepared well in advance. Um, but we're pretty good, aren't we, at getting off task and some of us find it really hard to stay on task. I wonder whether for some of us the problem is that we try to spread ourselves too thin. We... Uh, we talked, Troy talked about unfinished tasks at home. I've got a heap of them. I was talking to someone before Christmas about all the little projects I've done and I've started another one and I haven't finished the three before and a little painting on that job and they're, they're all 95% finished but we have a lot of unfinished jobs around the place don't we or have, we have clutter and we're always telling people we're flat out like a drinking and we're, we just don't know how we're going to do what we've got to do. Um, we seem to be pulled in every direction and we, we end up unsatisfied and sometimes really frustrated don't we? I wonder why we spread ourselves so thin. Why do we get into a, a, a fix like this? I think for some of us, and I have to identify with some of these, some of us feel we're really indispensable. The job's not going to get done right if I don't do it and if I don't do it my way. Um, some of us feel that. Some of us really just love pleasing people. And so if, if everybody's happy, uh, I'm happy, and so I'm going to bend over backwards to please people, even if it gets me off track with, uh, with my job. I had a, had a boss once in our performance appraisal, he said to me, you'd do a lot better if you didn't help other people because I spent too much time helping uh, the person next to me who was struggling a bit uh, because i like to keep him happy too. Some of us just love being busy. We struggle to be still. We're not happy unless we're flat out. Um, But some of us also lack clear direction about what we are really passionate about. What is the thing that really turns us on? There's a fantastic quote from the book that uh, Renee mentioned, uh, Stephen Covey, or it might be one of his other books, but he says, if the greatest incentive to saying no is having an even bigger yes burning inside you. Just dwell on that for a minute. The greatest incentive to saying no is having an even bigger yes burning inside you. So this morning I want to talk a little bit about that bigger yes and what it might look like for us to be really uh, focused on that bigger yes this year. As Troy said, we're focusing a little bit on the, on the book of Proverbs and I just want to read one passage for you from, um, from Proverbs chapter 4 and it says this, Listen my son, accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Now when we talk about keeping on task, we're talking about not swerving, aren't we? Not swerving to the right or the left. Knowing the way to go and uh, walking along it. The book of Proverbs is just a fantastic book and I'd commend it to you if you've got some time in January to just read through bit by bit. amazing amount of godly wisdom in that book. There's lots of ways that we can choose to go in this life but how do we choose the best way? How do we choose the way of wisdom? How do I find, as Stephen Covey says, that main thing, that bigger yes and how do I then focus my energies towards that main thing and continue to keep the main thing, the main thing? You see, for a follower of Jesus, the goal for each one of us is to become more and more uh, like Jesus in the way that I think, the way that I speak, the way that I act. And so a good question for us to ask ourselves is to what extent do I allow my faith in God, my faith in Jesus to actually transform my life, to actually be the thing that helps me set my priorities? Renee said that faith was out up there at number one. And so when she thinks about major decisions in her family, God is at the very top. And God is the first one who's consulted. And that's a, a fantastic way to be. So, how do I consistently invest in the things that are of, of greatest value uh, and avoid swerving to the right or the left? How do I work out what I'm passionate about and what I choose to devote myself to? When we did the Growing Leaders course last year we, we uh, spent a little time on this thing called SHAPE and it's a, uh, a thing that uh, a pastor of a megachurch in America, Rick Warren, uh, came up with for, to help people really find out what, what their passions are and what their priorities are and how to set them. And I don't want to spend a long time on this but I just want to commend it to you because I think it's really, really helpful. The, the, it's an acronym and it stands for Spiritual Gifts, Heart's Desire, uh, abilities, Personality and Experience. Followers of Jesus all have uh, God-given supernatural abilities, spiritual gifts, but also we've got uh, desires that we have in our hearts, uh, things that we're passionate about, things that we love to do, things that move us so deeply that they keep us awake at night. I wonder if if you're sitting here this morning and thinking about what your heart's desire. Are there things that actually you're so passionate about uh, for good and for God that they keep you awake at night? And all of us have abilities, just natural abilities that we've got that that are really complementary to that. Um, Skills, knowledge that's grown up over time. And then all of us have got personalities. Some of us are are very different to others. Some of us are very uh, feeling sort of people and very emotional. Some of us are all about the facts and uh, we're very thinking people. Some of us are introverted. I'm going to be that way. Some of us are extroverted. We're the life of the party. And all of those things, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, they all contribute to who we are. Um, but it's great to understand those things. And then our experiences have shaped us. The things that we've done in our life already, whether, whether they've been difficult experiences or painful experiences or good experiences or educational experiences or, 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 or experiences of serving God, experiences of life with God, they all to, contribute to who we are. And so when we think about this bigger yes, we need to take those things into account. How has God gifted me? What is the desire of my heart? What abilities has he given me? What about my personality? Does that fit? And my experiences. And how can those things be used by God to help me to, to prioritise things and to work on something that's really meaningful to me but also uh, of, of, of good for, the, for the, the benefit of God and the, and the whole world? Rick Warren says this. He says, You'll be most effective and fulfilled when you're using your gifts and abilities in the area of your heart's desire in a way that best expresses your personality and experience. I love that. You'll be most effective and fulfilled when you're using your gifts and abilities in the area of your heart's desire in a way that best expresses your personality and experience. Shape. If you want to do a bit more work on that, if you just Google Rick Warren shape, you'll find lots of information. Just a helpful process to go through as you think about how God has wired you and how he might be wanting you uh, to live for him. If you do something like that, you'll have allowed that bigger yes uh, burning inside you to begin to do its work. I wonder as you think about this sort of thing, is there a choice that you need to be making uh, even today? about what to do and what not to do, what to set aside as trivial um, because there's more important things, what to set aside as temporary because there's things that are of more eternal value, to actually pursue the thing that fits your shape and uh, that you sense God has been calling you to do. The Bible talks about some things being like gold and silver and precious stones that last and some things being like wood and hay and stubble that when the fire comes they just get burned up. You know, I think all of us want to want to leave a legacy of some sort. We want our lives to count for something. We want our lives to look like gold, the things that we do to be like gold and silver and precious stones in and there of some enduring worth. You know, a, a well-known Christian uh, author and, and um, speaker used to tell a story about uh, his wife who was an incredibly capable woman and a, a professional woman and quite capable of having a, uh, a great job. But when her kids were young, she made the choice um, to stay home and, and care for them. And it wasn't a decision that her uh, friends and colleagues really thought was a great decision, but it was one that she made before God and she thought that that was what he wanted to do. And uh, she got quite annoyed sometimes when people, when, she, when they asked what she did, and she said, oh, I'm just uh, at home with the kids. Um, the conversation sort of ended as if she was a nobody. And so she came up with this great <coughs> answer. And uh, when they said, she said, what do you do? She said, I'm, um, I'm socialising two homo sapiens in the uh, dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed from the beginning. Wow. Good. I don't think I could say that. I think it would be a pretty hard thing to come up with but she probably said it really fast and uh, it's very impressive. But what's she trying to say? She's trying to say, hey, I've made a decision about my priorities and uh, I believe it's a really good one. I believe it's one that I need to live with Um, and I'm not going to be shamed into thinking that I'm doing some lesser thing because this is what I believe God has given me to do. She wanted her children um, to be the sort of children who grew up to, as it were, live out heaven on earth, live out the values of the kingdom of heaven uh, on earth. So as you think about your life, maybe God (coughs) has been stirring you about, as Renee talked about, work and family issues. How do you get that balance? Um, For Paul to make a decision like Paul made, uh, a significant one in the context of family, Maybe it's social justice. Some of you are incredibly generous and incredibly passionate about the needs of the poor and the marginalised. Maybe it's overseas aid. You'd love to help in uh, some significant way, and God's been stirring your heart. And maybe this is the year that you do something concrete about that. Maybe you want to go and serve somewhere overseas. Maybe you need to do some training for a vocation that God might be calling you to. A great time to think about what it might mean for you to be growing personally. Advancing and advancing for God's sake. Maybe Bible study is an issue that has been sort of almost off the radar for you and you'd love to understand what God has to say in the Bible and how it applies to your life. Maybe that's something you need to think about. Maybe you want to be more prayerful this year. How can you build those things into your priorities, into your shape? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters that you know, you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Great to remember that whatever we do, we're doing it for God, if we're followers of Jesus. So what is your, your passion? What do you want to focus on and engage in in 2015? That's the first uh, suggestion. No swerving away from uh, what your passion is. And then the second uh, thing I want to talk about, really briefly, is this, this idea of a cumulative effect. Uh, there's a tri- terrific passage in the, the book of Proverbs. There's a bit said about lazy people, they call them a sluggard. And this uh, says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. The thorns had come up everywhere, the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding in the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. I, I just think that's really a powerful passage, isn't it? You see, time is a gift that God gives to each of us and we're custodians of it. So how do we make the best use of the time we've got? The sluggard is an example of wastefulness of time. I was uh, listening to a talk uh, a week or so ago and I, I, it, the guy was talking about time and he came up with these these four statements which I thought were really helpful and I think I've got them up on the screen and uh, they come up in order. The first point he made was investing small amounts of time over time is cumulative. You you think about this in terms of uh, physical fitness or diet or whatever. If you're wanting to get fit, investing small amounts of time every day. So if I walk a half an hour every day, that's a really good thing. If I miss one day, not a big deal, but if I I miss six and, and do one, not great. Okay, but investing small amounts of time over time is cumulative. It adds up. It builds up. If I'm wanting to, to start to get a greater grip on, on the Bible, investing small amounts of time every day in it is going to make a big difference uh, rather than just this little random haphazard thing. Okay, so that's a great first point. The second one is neglect is also cumulative. Uh, so when, when I, I uh, choose not to do certain things, so if I, if I know that I need to be much more careful about what I eat but I, I never change my, my eating pattern, um, it's easy not to change. Um, but it's actually costly and uh, it's costly in my health, it's costly in all sorts of ways. You can apply this to a whole lot of different things, exercise, relationship, healthy diet and even your relationship with God. Neglect is cumulative. It's easy to neglect it but it's costly to neglect it. And then the third one is random has no cumulative value. Uh, I, I like this. You see, we, we, we're often like this and I think at the start of the year we make these resolutions because we think it's going to change our lives, and we do things that, you know, and we say, I'm going to go to the gym, and we go there, you know, three times the first week, and then one time the second week, and we just miss the third week. Three weeks later, you we think, oh, I'm wasting my money, I'll go. And it has no effect. All you do is you end up really sore, and then you can't go because you're, you're, so, you're so stiff that you. So, random has no cumulative value. And then the final idea is in the areas that matter most you can't pull an all-nighter. You you students probably know what it means to pull an all-nighter. My older brother, I used to sleep in the same bedroom as my my older brother and he was good. at I couldn't do it but he'd be up till 5 o'clock doing his assignments on the day before they were due. Um, And he got away with it. He did well. Uh, But in the actual real things of life, um, it's really difficult to make up for lost time like that by pulling all nighters, by just you know, giving a, a big, big burst, thinking that it's going uh, to, I'll do a day of it now because I haven't done 10 minutes of every day for the last 12 months. And so I, I just would encourage you to think about how consistently you give your attention uh, to your priorities. So we said no swerving. We could say here no slacking. No swerving and no slacking the cumulative effect of the way we use our time. There's a, a verse in the book of Ephesians that says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. It talks about redeeming the time in some translations, making the very, very best use of it. So, no swerving, no slacking. And then finally, I just want to talk a little bit about um, making wise decisions. There's a passage in the Proverbs that says this in Proverbs 3. It says, My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgement and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you'll go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down you'll not be afraid. When you lie down your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. All of those good outcomes come from the fact that this son who is being referred to hasn't let wisdom and understanding out of his sight. I wonder about you. How are you when it comes to making decisions? On the back of a little sheet, if you want to pick one up afterwards, I've I've done 10 little uh, ideas from the book of Proverbs about questions to ask yourself when making decisions. I reckon it's it's worth referring to. Uh, It's uh, amazing what you find in the book of Proverbs that is is incredibly helpful. What does it look like for you to make a wise choice? How easily are you deviated from wisdom by all the things that are, uh, are pulling you? In this world, and there's lots of them. There's distractions uh, everywhere. There are things that would deviate us from the things that we know are the most important. And so, the the, the passage that I want to just read to you in closing from uh, the New Testament is this one in Titus chapter two, because it talks about doing certain things and not doing certain things. God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation is available for everyone. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, godless indulgent life and how to, how to take on <coughs> a God-filled, God-honouring life. <coughs> this new life is starting right now and is wetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ appears. He offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good, pure life, making us a people he can be proud of, energetic in goodness. I love that passage and it begs the question, doesn't it? What do you need to say yes to? How to turn our backs on a godless indulgent life and how to take on. What do you need to take on? What do you need to say yes to? A God-filled, God-honouring life. What do you need to say no to today? When we talk about a new page, I've been thinking this week about actually drawing lines and sometimes we need to draw the line and say, this far and no further. Some of us have got ourselves into habits that are, that are actually destructive and maybe now's the time when we just say, hey, I'm drawing a line here, I'm starting a new page. That is going to stop. With God's help, that is going to stop. Maybe it's an old habit. Maybe it's a wrong attitude. Maybe it's choosing uh, the easy, uh, comfortable road rather than the road that you know might involve some pain but, but which you know is the more God-honouring role. When I was a kid at Sunday school, we used to sing this song, and it was based on the um, the story um, of the wise and foolish builders. And it went like this: "Build on the rock, uh, build on the rock. Um, <laughs> yeah, build on the rock. The rock there thinks, 'The neat, the rock never stands.' Build on the rock, and not upon the sand. When we were, it was pretty simple back in those days, Sunday school. And um, we, as bigger boys, used to sit up in the back. And we, because we knew, we sing this song most weeks. We used to bring paper bags, and it came to this point. We do not fear the storm or the earthquake, and we get our paper back and go, Shock! And we make this massive noise. You're safe forevermore if you build on the rock. Now, the story in the Bible is about a, a wise and a foolish builder. And the wise builder basically builds his house with a firm foundation. The foolish builder builds his house on the sand. The wise builder, when the storm comes, his house stands firm. And the foolish builder, when the storm comes and he's built his house on the sand, it just melts away. And the question for us is, at the start of this year, uh, what are you building on? What are you building on? There's a whole lot of foundations out there that are really shaky uh, and our world is throwing these sort of uh, foundational values at us that are not foundational at all. And God is that solid rock on which we can build our lives. And I just want to just challenge you today to actually spend some time thinking about what your passions are, And are you prepared this year in 2015 to make decisions that actually line up with your passions, line up with the things that you value? Make these cumulative investments in the things that count. Learn what to say no to and what to say yes to. Know your weaknesses, know your vulnerabilities and guard against them and learn where to draw the lines. I've just got four questions that I want you to think about. Am I clear about what I value and what I'm passionate about? Dan asked me when I was coming in this morning, not knowing what I was going to talk about, he said, Steve, what are you going to focus on this year? And I thought, well, that's a big question. I probably should have thought about seeing I'm talking to everyone else. (laughs) It's a great question, isn't it? What are you going to focus on this year? What is going to be at the heart of who you are and what you're focusing on? Where do I need to begin making consistent deposits of my time? Am I making wise decisions in line with my values and my passions? And what lines do I need to draw? on my new page. Thanks, Doris.